This is Poetry for the Season with Sally Reed. Welcome to Poetry for the Season and Happy Easter. I'm Sally Reed, poet and adorer, speaking to you from just outside Rome. We made it, he is risen. The world is reborn again in him. My customary giddiness and Eastertide delight had a new edge this year, actually because of this programme. Let me explain. The resurrection places the most demands on language, literature and poetry of any other subject. We are at the boundary of what is comprehensible to us. We are standing at the veil that separates us from God and heaven. We are with Mary Magdalene at dawn on Easter Sunday, but how can we express in language what it is we see and understand? Mary Magdalene herself thought that the risen Christ was the gardener. Why? Some have said it was because her eyes were full of tears or she had her face in her hands. But this isn't the only instance of people not recognising Christ instantly. When the disciples go fishing after the resurrection and Christ appears on the beach, they don't know it's him straight away. Pope Benedict wrote about this in his second book called Jesus of Nazareth. He explains that there is a dynamic of recognition and non-recognition for the people who saw Christ resurrected. He is the same embodied man, Pope Benedict writes, and he is the new man, having entered upon a different manner of existence. So, we are in the garden, Christ is risen, we hear the accounts from the evangelists, and we trust them because they ring absolutely divinely true. But language fails, it cannot adequately describe this miracle. So I trawled through poetry books and online for poems about the resurrection and was surprised at how many there were, even among the classics. But I think I've got some wonderful things for you today and we're going to begin with one of the greats himself. John Donne, the 16th century metaphysical poet, who wrote an amazing poem called Resurrection Imperfect. Now, I think imperfect, not because Christ's resurrection was imperfect, not at all, but because Dunn's attempts at describing it are necessarily incomplete and imperfect, and as a poet, he recognised that. In fact, he added a Latin line at the end of the poem, desunt cetera, which means the rest are missing. In other words, it's an unfinished work in his own eyes. Dunn begins the poem by talking to the sun, and comparing Christ to the sun as a better sun, and saying that Christ went down to hell and made hell's fires pale with his own light, just as fires on earth pale when compared to the sun. He then, in true metaphysical style, compares Jesus to a mineral and follows through this metaphor by saying that pre-resurrection Christ was gold, and post-resurrection, he is a tincture. Well, 
A tincture, as far as I can see, is a liquid that carries a medicine. So Christ becomes this fluid, endless means of healing. And then at the very end of the poem, Dunn confronts this issue head on of what we would have seen if we had been there at the tomb. We would have seen a soul, a true soul, united with a body and being of the whole. Well, we could talk about John Donne's technique and his meaning all day, but for now, let's hear his delicious words, one of the greats really grappling with this incredible phenomenon. Resurrection Imperfect by John Donne. Sleep, sleep, old son. Thou canst not have repassed as yet the wound thou tookest on Friday last. Sleep then and rest. The world may bear thy stay. A better sun rose before thee today. Who, not content to enlighten all that dwell on the earth's face as thou, enlightened hell and made the dark fires languish in that veil, as at thy presence here our fires grow pale, whose body, having walked on earth and now hasting to heaven, would that he might allow himself unto all stations and fill all, for these three days become a mineral. He was all gold when he lay down, but rose all tincture, and doth not alone dispose leaden and iron wills to good, but is of power to make even sinful flesh like his. Had one of those whose credulous piety thought that a soul one might discern and see go from a body at this sepulchre been, and issuing from the sheet this body seen, he would have justly thought this body a soul, if not of any man, yet of the whole. Desunt cetera, the rest are missing. There, Christ, transformed and resurrected, fills all, all stations. He has power to make even sinful flesh like his. Amazing. Easter, I think, makes converts of us all. Every year we grasp afresh this mystery. One famous convert, G.K. Chesterton, knew all about conversion and its headiness. And he wrote a great deal explaining and defending his new faith. His poems are charming. They're not always my cup of tea. They're quite bouncy and rhymy. But I loved reading The House of Christmas last year and The Donkey this Lent. And the poem that I'm going to read now is probably one of my very favourites of his. It describes the sensation of conversion, that moment of acceptance, understanding and belief 
that's crystallized by Mary Magdalene when she says, Rabboni. Magdalene had, of course, already believed in and accepted Christ. But it could only be at that moment of meeting him in this new post-resurrection state that she was given the gift of accepting the totality of the new faith. Faith turns everything on its head and transforms everything. And that is what G.K. Chesterton is describing here. <clears throat> the Convert by G.K. Chesterton After one moment, when I bowed my head, and the whole world turned over and came upright, and I came out where the old road shone white, I walked the ways and heard what all men said. Forests of tongues, like autumn leaves unshed, being not unlovable, but strange and light. Old riddles and new creeds, not in despite, but softly, as men smile about the dead. The sages have a hundred maps to give that trace their crawling cosmos like a tree. They rattle reason out through many a sieve that stores the sand and lets the gold go free. And all these things are less than dust to me because my name is Lazarus and I live. That is a very satisfying sonnet indeed, and so evocative in its images. I came out where the old road shone white, and suddenly everything is changed. I love the part where he talks about the sages and their maps and their rattling reason through a sieve that keeps the sand in, but lets the gold out. The gold being Christ, as Dunn would say. And all of a sudden, arguing and quibbling means nothing to him. It's all less than dust, because he has been brought back to life by Christ. And that's the amazing thing about Easter too. It's about our resurrection, not just Christ's. He gives us new life in him. We have a new mind, new strength. It makes me think of my own conversion, actually when every day for a while felt like Easter Sunday. As I journeyed towards my own confirmation in the church, I had this particular poem I'm going to read you now running through my head continually. It's a celebration of the coming of love. A Birthday by Christina Rossetti. My heart is like a singing bird whose nest is in a watered shoot. My heart is like an apple tree whose boughs are bent with thick-set fruit. My heart is like a rainbow shell that paddles in a halcyon sea. My heart is gladder than all these because my love is come to me. Raise me a dais of silk and down Hang it with vair and purple dyes. 
carve it in doves and pomegranates, and peacocks with a hundred eyes. Work it in gold and silver grapes, in leaves and silver fleur-de-lis, because the birthday of my life is come, my love is come to me. Beautiful. There's something almost of the Song of Solomon in that poem. Christina Rossetti's faith was very important to her and she wrote a lot about her religion. And all of this, the dais, the fleur-de-lis, the peacock eyes, her heart like an apple tree, it's very reminiscent of the Song of Songs. And we need this kind of rich, joyful, new way of seeing to understand the joy of Easter. Our next poet, Gerard Manley Hopkins, was extremely good at looking at the world with new eyes and seeing things afresh. The poet Percy Bysshe Shelley rallied poets to defamiliarisation, which is a long word that means seeing the world new and tearing up the familiar. It's this kind of jolt that Mary Magdalene experienced in spades when she saw Christ in the garden that morning. Everything turned on its head. Gerard Manley Hopkins was a Jesuit priest, a convert actually, and he was also a poet, obviously, but he thought he shouldn't publish his poems as it might be too egotistical, and he wanted to be a very ascetical Jesuit. I think Thomas Merton went through similar deliberations about his own writing and religious vocation. There was some conflict there. But it's clear in both cases, isn't it, that their poetry sings of God, and it's only poets who can come close to seeing with the new eyes that we need to begin to understand the mystery of the Trinity and the resurrection. Hopkins' poetry is new in every way. It's written in what's called sprung rhythm, which loosely means that instead of di-da-di-da-di-da-di-da, it's more da-di-da-di-da-di, and it's more kind of jolting and bouncy. It's full of very vivid imagery too that makes our eyes widen. In this poem, he's lamenting about how dulled we are to nature, how we walk about with our shoes on and we forget how the grass feels beneath our feet. We need to go barefoot through the fields, he is saying, and feel the glory of God. God's Grandeur by Gerard Manley Hopkins. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then and now not wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil, and wears man's smudge, and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness 
deep down things. And though the last lights of the black west went, oh, morning at the brown brink eastward springs, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with, ah, bright wings. Oh my goodness, the warm breast and the bright wings of the Holy Ghost. Who else could say that? Who else could think it? Nature is never spent, he says. There is the freshness of deep down things. God bless Gerard Manley Hopkins, who was melancholy, they say, and full of self-doubt, like most poets. We're going to finish today with a living poet, the wonderful Paul Murray, who is a Dominican priest and teacher at the Angelicum University here in Rome. Father Paul writes poems that you will want to keep at your bedside, poems about man and God, about epiphany and pain, woundedness and wholeness. He has two poetry books coming out soon and I'll keep you posted about them. I found this poem of his and it made, made me think of all we've been talking about today, the difficulty poets have in expressing the inexpressible, which is the poet's job really, isn't it? Expressing the inexpressible. And that's what God the Father did in Christ. He expressed the inexpressible. This poem describes that act of creation for the writer or the artist. We don't ever really create on our own, but the Holy Spirit chooses to breathe through us. We just have to be open. So this is In the Making by Paul Murray from Stones and Stars, published by Daedalus Press and read with their kind permission. You can find them at daedalespress.com. The gift, when it comes, comes always from where you least expect, either from that hurt void you feel after actual loss, or from the mere absence of a longed-for music, from a line or a theme you cannot seem to recall, or a phrase of a poem you cannot complete. But then, with an instinct born from that lack or that need, suddenly, out of the side of the poem, another music begins, another song. And there it is, on its feet, bone of your bone, and yet free, flesh of your flesh, but not yours, a theme like a new eve emerging. Well, there's a lovely line for Easter, the new Eve emerging. Mary has come to be a mother to us children of Eve. She is our new mother. She is the longed for music because she gives us Christ. He is the beauty that we hunger for. Of course, what Paul Murray is talking about here is the hunger for creation the hunger to express through poetry or music. Creation brings on creation. 
we hunger to continue it, to express the inexpressible. Well, a very, very happy Easter to you. We've done our very best to find language to convey this thing that can, in a sense, can never be approached. But I think we've done a good job through Hopkins and Paul Murray and Rossetti and Chesterton and John Donne. It's a feast to show us that God is the poet and that you are a beautiful and essential part of this poem. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for Poetry for the Season, Easter, with Sally Reed. This show is broadcast on Sundays at 2 p.m., Mondays live at 4 p.m., Tuesdays at 9.30 a.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m., Fridays at 1 p.m., and on Saturdays at 5.30 a.m. This show is available as a podcast on our website, RadioMariaEngland.uk or on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Tunes, wherever you can get your podcast. Thank you for joining us on Radio Maria England.